0: Science fiction is an existential metaphor that allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Isaac Asimov once said individual science fiction stories may seem as trivial as ever to the blinder critics and philosophers of today. But the core of science fiction, its essence, has become crucial to our salvation. Tell me how many nights you see? This is how liberty dies.
1: With thunderous applause. Game over,
0: man! It's game over! Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog.
2: And good evening, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin.
3: I'm Chrissy Raffensperger. And
2: I'm
1: Dave Sellers.
0: And tonight we are back with the show, this time back with a movie review show. And I'm kind of excited about this movie... Um, gotta be honest guys i watched this just a few years uh two years ago when ready player a couple years ago like this when ready player one came out uh because in the novel they reference uh war games and um, and so Kiefer said we gotta watch this movie it sounded awesome so we watched it and um, and even now he talks fondly of that movie even though it's not really his generation so so I'm excited that know, we're, I'm excited to be talking about war games tonight.
3: Yeah, I, I rented it on Amazon and it was only like 3.99 to rent it and I think it's like 7.99 to buy it. And I thought to myself, gosh it, I probably should have bought this thing, which I don't normally say about older movies because I was like, man, I, I would probably want to rewatch this at some point.
1: Um like I couldn't find a streaming so I just went down and got my DVD copy <laughs> threw that in.
0: What's a DVD? I love that movie it's a DVD?
1: Well, it's this little disc that you used to put in a machine <laughs> Got it. that would play a movie. Right. Kind of like for you older guys, like a VHS tape hmm. or a Betamax.
0: What about a laser disc? Is it like a small laser, laser, small laser disc?
1: It, 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 that's a much more accurate thing. If anybody remembers what a laser disc is, you're old as crap.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. it, they lasted for like ten minutes, and it went away.
0: I, uh, it I did watch, take off. I watch movies no. on Laserdisc.
3: So he's as old as crap.
0: am uh, apparently old as well, crap. Well, yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my, that, is, that is it. Although, to be fair, Miles is just a little bit older, so I'm going to throw him under the bus
1: too. I'd still it's love to collect up. a bunch of them, kind of like you do vinyl. And
0: just did, have you know, them. I've thought about that. I'm like, I should get into Laserdisc collecting. And I wonder, I, what I should do is look at how expensive that is. If it's, like, really expensive, exactly. I don't want to get into it. But if you can pick up well, the disc for, like, 10, 20 bucks a pop, that doesn't <sighs> seem that bad.
3: No, it's just a matter of just finding it at this point. Yeah. Well, truthfully, how many movies are even on
0: LaserDisc? I mean, I, watched, could I you watched, I know Tron's on LaserDisc. I thought that'd be awesome to do. 2001 is on LaserDisc. The Hobbit animated version's on LaserDisc.
2: Well, that is oh, the best version. <laughs> Are on LaserDisc also? What is it? The original, the original three Star Wars movies are on Laser Disc.
0: Ooh, I bet I bet they're expensive though.
2: So, I would believe so. Yes, I, I know. Yeah, I know. There's a bunch of like the,
0: my like wife, the original my, my Trek wife movies. Told me if I got into laser disc collecting, you watch it.
1: Well, especially right now, since you got to pack them up and move them. <laughs> yeah, I
0: probably should wait till we move.
1: We're trying to get rid of this. Yeah,
3: I got no, of, no, really. I
0: got rid of they're a lot of stuff. expensive. But they aren't that expensive no
3: no star wars trilogy six laser discs is 80 bucks
0: for oh for the trilogy
3: for the whole trilogy that's
0: not bad actually you so, know so I, I should buy them and then say you know what i need a player
3: you could get him you could get him.
2: now how much is it a player
3: well now now we're getting into this
0: <laughs>
2: yeah so look at this look at this
0: we thought we were reviewing love- war games, but no. Dave got sidetrack bringing Sorry. out the, bringing out the DVD.
3: You know?
1: Did you get a whole laser disc lot on eBay for like eight bucks?
3: You know, hundred bucks for used- laser disc CD, hundred and forty dollar player on eBay. Like you could,
0: that, that's reasonable. You could
3: do this. This is a very very I, reasonable I, price. I think
0: what we need to do is like have a laser disc laser watching disc. party.
3: Oh, you know. Epic. You know, what's in this lot? Like I'm seeing, is that
0: <laughs> we're huh. we're t- totally off the rails here.
1: <laughs> Lethal Weapon movies on laser disc?
3: Yeah, oh, that bad. All dogs that. go to heaven.
2: I so they kept making them for a while.
3: Oh, Amadeus, yeah. good movie. I
0: know there's. I know there. I almost picked up. There was a a Rush laser disc. I thought yeah. oh, I I get that. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. That lot for eight dollars is pick any three for eight dollars.
0: Oh, well, that's lame. Just give me the lot. Be done with it. Yeah, exactly.
3: I want the whole lot. Well, now, now we're all (laughs) completely rapid. Yeah, uh, (laughs) uh, old
0: technology. Speaking of old (laughs) technology, we're going to be talking about old computers in just a bit. So, (laughs) but. But uh yeah, so we're talking more games tonight. Before we get into that, we want to talk a little bit about what's going on in our sci-fi world because um there's been some neat stuff dropping and I'm um, looking forward to chatting about it here for a little bit. So, yeah. what I'm excited about, Chrisley, I want to start with you because you finished you finished Picard. I assume all 3 seasons, right? I did. And um what is yes. what is yeah, what, is, yeah, what is your uh, what are your thoughts having um, uh, you know, gladly watched or suffered through all three seasons. I,
3: I didn't, I didn't suffer through all three seasons. Oh, yeah, I, I yeah, gladly, well, that's good. I, I, I watched them. Although, I guess, like maybe in in some parts, I was I was suffering, but that was probably because I was watching them while also working out at the same time. So, if I was suffering, it was more because I was pushing myself through a workout than um anything else. Yeah, but fair you know, well, I figured, I'm like, I'm watching something, I can move at the same time, you know, because lots of lots of different things but no i i really did enjoy it there was you know i mean don't need to like go over too much with the redundancy of you know all the callbacks and seeing different people um i i liked the mix um of you know some of the voyager people being mixed in with the picard um crew that i thought was really well done um fairly organically although i guess it means we're probably not going to get too many callbacks um or too many, like, Voyager-esque things later. Because um, I guess they figure, you know, we pulled the people we really liked um, out of that hat. Which is sad, because there were some people in there that, you know, we didn't see from that crew. Um, for the most part, I really did enjoy the final season. I'm not sure how I feel about the ending with the Borg. Um, Thank you. It it felt a little I don't want to say like it felt a little tired out. Like the Borg again. Really? We're we're here again. Um and it just just to see them go from this absolutely menacing, terrifying thing to be reduced to th- that shriveled hag of nothing. It just I don't know. It seems a little I don't like disappointing. Like, you know. Thank you. And it's and it's almost like this. We were all afraid of this the whole time. Um so I mean I guess it's kind of like when you're playing a game and you're gonna go face, you know, the final boss and you do all the side quests and get like way over-leveled, and then you go and you fight him, and then it's like, you know, pew-pew, it's like, you know, if you over-level him, and you're playing Skyrim, and you finally go to Valhalla, and you fight the dragon, and you're overpowered, and you just, like, you know, Fusrodot, like, in one hit, and it dies, and you're like, well, that was... nothing. Right. You know, if this is this what you're all afraid of? Like, well, I'm just gonna go back to the mead hall and have a drink here, you're... this is pathetic. um So... That I kind of wish that it that had been like if it had been like something different. That's that's my biggest complaint with with that is that I felt it was very tired, it was a tired thing. Um,
0: you know, and I want to say that you know, when you got to season two, you had the whole Girardi um board, right? And th- that felt fresh like what they did with that, the board back in time, Girardi fusing with it, and then. The way they ended with the Borg coming in like there was a fresh take in that and they were almost more menacing than the Borg we saw in the final season uh, right and I, and, I, and I actually kept wishing that oh come on Girardi, to show back up right uh, but they just opted not to go that way but but no yeah I, I, and- I, I, I hear you and um while I like the final season I agree with you know maybe perhaps his weakness or the uh, the tiredness of the trope.
3: At well, least though they and, and closed it didn't
2: the, ha- I don't know that it, I was gonna say at least they closed the story arc with the Borg. Yes.
3: They they did, so in some ways, like I, in some ways I really liked it and I saw what they were doing with it. I just didn't like the execution of what they did. Um and also I was a little bit, um I don't know. I didn't necessarily l- Like, there was that choice that Jack had to make, but again, like, the Borg, that's not really how we saw the Borg operating in the past. I mean, she was really kind of um, almost like a helpless villain, which is not, you know, she's literally just sitting there doing almost nothing, while Ricard just freely kind of does whatever, um, so they're I don't know. I didn't I didn't like that part. I liked most of the rest of it, um, and I liked a lot of the aftermath that they that they showed. And I liked um, the revisiting of the old ship and giving it a real good proper send off. And well, I felt everyone's, you know, and the send off that they gave seven of nine was really good. And I felt like that closed her loop at her arc really well. Um opened a new one. And I hmm. liked how they, you know, ended with the poker table. That was that was really good. And then we get Q come back and you're just like, God damn it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but I, I I thought that was fantastic.
3: <laughs> you know. So I mean I guess they wanted to leave it open for them to come back and like revisit, you know, Jack's adventures and Seven's Adventures, which I kind of hope they do because I really like her as a character. Was, I always have.
0: interesting to see what's going on behind the scenes. Cause I don't think we've heard any rumors of that. Have we, but not that I've heard. Well,
3: I, I think they left it open and you know what? It was back in middle school. I think it was that I saw Nemesis in theaters and then here we are. So.
1: Well, you look at the fan reaction from, you know, Christopher Pike and all that coming into Discovery. Anson Mount and Ethan Peck coming into Discovery. And the fans went nuts and wanted to see a Captain Pike show. Right. And we got a Captain Pike show. We did. Fans were going nuts out of this, wanting to see a a legacy show with Picard's kid and Seven and and everything, where there there is so much. I've seen fan art and fan creation stuff would just like movie posters and you know and, and titling and things like that. That it wouldn't surprise me if CBS is smart that they look at that and go, "All right, here's an idea. Let's go with this."
3: You know, it's interesting. Like, I don't. I'm very like I feel tired out with with certain um, franchises, but I I don't feel tired out with Star Trek, and I couldn't tell you the reason why. Because it's timeless, um, it you know, and I feel like they they tend to uh, they like it almost feels like a mostly like a refresh take on various things. Um, so I don't feel like I'm you know stuck in the same cycle. Basically, it's like the same content, different faces. Um, so I I really I really do I really do like Star Trek right now. We'll talk about the other other thing that I'm. <laughs> no, um, so I I like that a lot.
0: Um, so just I did a little bit of research here. They did say that all they said about Jack Crusher is that um, I guess Metallus, who somehow I guess is involved with Star Trek, said so Jack has a lot to do. Let me tell you, the showrunner the showrunner confirmed that Paramount does have a plan for Jack Crusher's character moving forward. But declined to elaborate or confirm the existence of another st- new Star Trek show.
3: So. Well, maybe maybe they're trying to figure out all the players and get them all, and because maybe they're trying to bring you know more callbacks from Voyager, more you know any of the Enterprise people that we didn't see. I kind of hope that we just leave Enterprise people off to themselves because I feel like you're settled. It's good. I feel good about your endings and your you know closed off nice loops. All that jazz. Um
2: Although I would like to see a Wharf mini series.
3: Okay, like, who wouldn't?
2: Right. right.
3: Right. I mean his character I I think I like his character now more than I do in the next generation. Just it absolutely chef's kiss to the writers on Wharf. Just Absolutely perfect. Oh, we're
1: all gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yeah. they did really, really did him justice.
3: They really, truly
0: did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> all right, what else has been going on in your world? We kind of focused on Macari there for a little bit. That was fine. Well, um,
3: obviously, I've been reading, so I finished the Three Body Problem, written by a Chinese name, which I won't attempt to pronounce um which was okay i i felt it was really 1960s um science fiction and kind of 1960s discourse well 60s 70s discourse on communism so i mean if you want to revisit that you can but i'm not i don't understand why everyone's losing their mind over it and having a netflix show but you know whatever um Read Among the Beasts and Briars by Ashley Post. Um, if you want a Disney movie and a book, there you go. It's it's quite enjoyable. Um, the both the female protagonist and the male protagonist were do- actually done very well. Um, for you know the main female, oftentimes when you have like strong female protagonist then sometimes you get like the guy just being I don't want to call like a bumbling idiot or just I don't know like it almost like in order to make her look good they have to make him look bad which I absolutely which just drives me nuts because as a woman I'm like so you're saying that in order for me to be strong and competent and a decent protagonist all the men around me have to be complete imbeciles idiots and buffoons so that's I find that sexist in its own right. Um, I didn't find that there, so I actually really enjoyed that um, of her of a girl saving the prince in the kingdom and everything else. Um, so that that was good. Um, Reading of Blood and Fire by Ryan Cahill, and also The Once and Future King by T. H. White, um, which I didn't realize like just how funny the one and future king was until i started reading it like because it's this big thick book and i was expecting it to be like this really like serious you know retelling of the Arthurian tale and it's not it's actually quite hysterical um so if, if you haven't read that then i really think that you should because it's really really funny um And I don't think I realized that Disney's Sword in the Stone was based off of The One Time Future King. Um, So it might be funnier to me because, like, in my mind, I'm picturing the cartoon versions of these people running around um, and, like, hearing their voices. So I I definitely recommend that book if you haven't read it
0: already. Very good. Very good. Awesome. Who wants to go next about their sci-fi world? Dave does. Dave does. All right, Dave. Tell us about your (laughs) sci-fi world.
1: My my sci-fi world has been actually really kind of boring. Um, I I dove headfirst into the first two episodes of Ahsoka, and love it so far. Can't wait for more. We heard boring. He said Ahsoka
3: was boring. No,
1: I said my sci-fi world was boring.
0: Okay. Overall, yeah. boring. All right. With right. a few
3: little highlights.
0: right. right. So you like you like no, Ahsoka?
3: I just got it was boring out of it.
1: Yeah. No, <laughs> loving
0: Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah. Did you like all? Either. you like all the Rebel car- callbacks?
1: Oh my gosh! I, I absolutely. And, and seeing him in live action, it, it's just wonderful. Absolutely did,
0: wonderful. Did you know? Maybe you know this, and I'm the one learning this as the old fart. But did you know that the actress who plays Hera?
1: Is married to Ewan McGregor.
0: Is married to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yep. Well. So, hence, yep. it has come full circle.
3: That's right. Keeping mm-hmm. the Star Wars family. Yeah. So, so we just heard his hair is going to go off with Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean. <laughs> Obi-Wan's dead. Okay. His, Unless he's well, having
0: his, a thing his, with a Force his, ghost. <laughs> his force ghost could be there.
1: It's pull, pulling a blazing Bev Crusher oh, okay.
3: with the Force Ghost of Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> maybe someone cloned him, because now we know cloning is canon, Wait, so you, something you cloned
0: actually, him. In the first movie, you never saw the body. Just saying. We never saw the so body. True. So shrunk himself down
1: to a force hamster, and then yeah, Vader just stepped saw, on him. Right, you master. You saw, <laughs> you,
0: you saw Star Wars? I shrunk the kids, right? I mean, yeah, totally.
3: Right, right. I I was going to go with a clone, but apparently we're going with yeah. shrunk down, reconstituted. Oh. No. So anyway,
1: <laughs> yeah, Ahsoka. Um, I've jumped back into Star Trek Online for a little bit again. Uh, the next update season episodes, whatever, dropped on there. So I jump back in and play a little bit of that. Um, Been playing around with uh, some other video editing stuff for this show. Check us out. YouTube.com Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Um, Like us. Follow us. Subscribe.
3: Get notified.
1: (laughs) That's right.
0: They like me. They really like (laughs) me. So,
1: so I'm, try, I'm trying to learn a little bit more about that and get better and maybe try to find some different software to do that I have a little few
3: more soon he's going to have us like pointing randomly like point over here for this thing and point over there for that thing
0: you, you know, that's what I'm
3: my, trying to figure
1: out how to do
0: you know my son has been using a software provided by our school yeah uh, we video okay and there's a pretty I, good. I have a license code for it oh do you so uh, you and I can I'll talk I'll have to look that one up yeah well, yeah, we'll I'll, I'll, I'll get one. it to you um,
3: okay. But, See? He knows people who knows yeah, people.
0: I know people. That's
1: how you I get at things them. in life. Know people.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, so watched War started. Games again, uh, in preparation for tonight. I, I still love that movie. Whatever, almost forty years later. You know, it it's it's still one of my, my classic favorites.
0: But you haven't seen until um, you've seen it in Laser Disc, to
1: say it. Though that's probably true. <laughs> um i am still waiting ladies and gentlemen for anyone who might i guess no one's interested in my challenge from last week or last show i guess i still got that star trek plate here so sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com send us some feedback send us a note send me a note says you want it goes to the first person I still to. got it sitting here yeah, yeah. But definitely give us your feedback, give us your suggestions, especially if any of you guys out there do anything with video editing and all that kind of stuff. Let me know what you use and where's a good place to really start to learn, because I'm starting to get an itch for this stuff a little bit. I want to I do it right. So let me know. Send your tips to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. There you go. Yeah.
0: Dave wants you to prove that you can teach an old dog new tricks. That's
1: right. Exactly. exactly. I need a new
2: skill. Yep. There we go. <laughs>
0: Miles, how about you?
2: I also watched the first episodes of Ahsoka. I thought they were really good. Uh, Interesting premise. I like that they're in space most of the time. Um, there's a mystery to solve. So so that's interesting. Um, Slowly going through Carnival Row and Prime. Watched War Games for for our review tonight. Uh, I read some time travel novels. uh, The Time Patriot books one and two. Uh, the third one should be downloading be available soon. But in the meantime, uh, I got another time travel novel in the series. It's called in times to come part three disruption by Scott Williams. So not a whole lot right now, but uh, that's what's going on right now. In my sci-fi world. That sounds good.
0: So my sci-fi world, I'm still working my way through the Dresden files. I'm on like book nine or 10 and absolutely loving it. Um, so it's fantastic been watching um the foundation series on apple tv so the second season of that um and that's one of these series that it's been x amount of years since i actually read them like 20-25 years since i actually read any of the foundation series and so enough time is distanced and uh my brain is apparently failing me; that I don't remember the storyline real well. So these actually feel okay, even though I'm pretty sure they're not following stuff exactly.
3: So it's not like me when I watch something and it twitches my brain, going, "I don't think that's right."
0: I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, nope. Well, and so then, I, and then you have to go I actually want to pick um, Dave. I know you read a lot of the legacy Star Wars books, right? Oh yeah. Okay, so um, I was talking to Joe Blower, a fellow teacher of mine, about Ahsoka. And he liked it, but he said, I I have a little bit of a problem and it has to do with the, uh, the sequel trilogy to the original Star Wars, not the prequel, the sequel trilogy in that they're using a map to try and locate someone. Well, this is exactly what they're doing for Thrawn, right? They find a map and like we go from this end of the galaxy and it'll lead us there. And he felt that was like he did not like that. Uh, didn't bother me when I was watching it, but I did see the point that this is like a unoriginal trope. All right. And it may be an argument that this item that's pointing way to Thrawn is in a very old temple. And how would the witches of Dothnor, Dothmir uh, have known that Thrawn was out there unless it was a premonition, you know? Um, he also, and I saw this too in the legacy books Remember how the witches were portrayed? Vaguely. Yeah. So they were much more sinister and less uh, ethereal. Right. I mean, this is Darth Maul's people, right? Right. And Uh as you you watched this witch, you didn't see a lot of Darth Maul-esque stuff in the witches.
1: No. But I wouldn't expect to. I mean, if you remember, and maybe I'm mistaken and someone can certainly correct me. Um, Send your correction to sci-fi-diner-podcast at (laughs) Um, (laughs) gmail.com. If I'm not mistaken, the Empire kind of eliminated the Witches of Dathomir. Yeah. So if I am like the Jedi left, if I'm one a survivor out of there, I'm going to hide because my survival depends on it. I'm going to embed myself in everyone else and hide in plain sight as best as I can. So the fact that she doesn't portray what we've seen before of, of the Witches of Dathomir doesn't surprise me. And I would actually be probably a little more weirded or not weird like a little more annoyed maybe even if she did
0: right yeah so it was but, just it was just a it was just a small complaint yeah. again i i agree with what you guys are saying i love i love these two episodes they were great got me into yeah. it i loved all the rebel car callbacks in it um i thought that was great i love the fact that sabine is the is kind of the Padawan to Ahsoka, although that raises questions too, because Ahsoka's not really a full Jedi, per se, because she left the temple before her training was complete. Well,
3: I mean, most most of the Jedi post-prequel um, series, like movies, it just kind of established that most of them were still in training when they went into hiding, because most of the Jedi got killed by Order 66, and so the only people who did survive were people who weren't full Jedi
0: at Ar- that point? Argu- arguably, though, Ahsoka's is different because she chose to leave pre Order sixty six. So she made a right. choice to walk away, right? Right. And so, um, so it is. It does. It does. It plays. I hear what you're saying. Certainly, and certainly, they don't have the luxury of doing it the way the old temple was. And for all intents and purposes ahsoka is a jedi for us right because there is no such thing as the regular temple
3: right. right um and so i i didn't watch the two episodes um that dropped i i will eventually um but yeah just thinking about you know the cartoons and some of the other things that i've seen um it's it's possible that, yeah, you because know, I don't think she, she doesn't identify herself as a Jedi, ever. Does she? She,
0: she is in the in the most World recent sense, Yeah, she is. yeah. I'm trying
3: to. I was trying to think if she actually. But I'm trying to think if she actually identifies herself as a Jedi.
1: No, I, yeah, I don't think anymore. Like other people will, and she gets. She tends to get a little defensive about it. Yep. But not to the point of completely denying, like, right. denying her connection.
3: Well, I guess it would be one of those things where, like, people just say, oh, well, they just assume, and maybe she just got like, you know what, I'm not going to explain it to you people. Fine. For for your intents and purposes, I can be a Jedi. Right. Whatever. I'm I'm not going to argue with you all about it. Yeah. Um, But when it comes... Like, but when it counts, like, if there, because it's been a while since I've seen this stuff, um, I think that when someone who actually should know identifies her as a Jedi, she corrects them from what I, from what I remember seeing.
1: Yeah. Well, and you, and you saw that, that play out in this show with, uh, one of the, the two, I don't even want to call him Sith, but the force wielding bad guys right. who was around Back during yeah, the, the, the Jedi, Jedi Order, and, and and knows Ahsoka because he knew Anakin, and he she, he kind of does put her he, or she puts him in his place at some point here. I don't know if we saw it yet or not. If that was just in a preview coming up. But right. she she puts him in his place pretty much as as. No, I left. I, I'm I can't right. hold that title because I left.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so maybe maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Um so and it's possible that she, you know, she's training Sabine just not I mean, it might be one of those things where she's like, you know what, for all of that sure, paddle on it
0: works. Like they, they make it they make it pretty clear that she's as a she is learning as a force apprentice. Like that that's pretty clear in the series. So it's um <laughs> She's not just along to learn, like, how to do life from Ahsoka. It's clearly that she's training her as a a force-wielding thing. And even Sabine is kind of playing that out um, in in her role as well. So, and so, I mean, mean, we'll see. We'll see while the series develops, right?
3: I mean, people do tend to fall into the roles that they know. And so, you know, maybe Ahsoka agreed to teach her and she's basically like, I'm just going to teach you the way that I was taught. Um, Maybe – sans teenager in war which you know that's an ethical issue but we'll go into the ethical issues of the jedi um uh, <laughs> couldn't that rabbit yeah. hole we do still have a movie to review we do. um but yeah
0: yeah so i'm trying so, to think if there's anything else in my sci-fi world those are the two major things that i was watching watching some league of legends um Oh, I began watching Ghosts in the Shell, the live action one, and I got maybe twenty minutes in before I got sidetracked. But I'm having surgery tomorrow, like in two days, so I'll have plenty of time to watch it. So, so it'll be good. So that that's my sci-fi yes. world. So,
3: and and we'll we'll have to compare notes as to like when we're both at the hospital.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, are you going in Friday? Yes. So I'm going in Thursday. So when we we'll oh uh, Thursday, okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll be like two ships passing in the night. I feel like right. I need to go visit Scott. Yeah. So uh, let's let's dive into war games a little bit. This is a movie that we kind of um, was on the radar. Uh, came out what in '83? Am I correct about that? It was 1983? Yes. That. So it was 1983 that came out, and um, you know, really had a long journey. To the box office with multiple different scripts and rewrites and a couple different directors, till it finally got to light. Miles, were you able to find out how much it cost to actually make this movie?
2: Well, I did look for a budget. The one I found a few times was twelve million.
0: Twelve million, and it brought in eighty million. So it definitely made its bang for its buck back then.
2: Yeah, eighty million worldwide.
0: Yeah, so definitely was uh, was 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 worth it right so oh, yeah. yeah yeah i'm actually seeing 80 million so it says 80 million domestic and then is it 80 million also worldwide
2: i, I from what i i, I looked <laughs> it up a couple of times and
0: box said, office it, mojo it, it, has box office mojo literally has the same figure for domestic and then worldwide unless it wasn't released international which is also possible yeah, because the inter- uh, there's nothing under international here. That's why I'm saying it. So,
3: well, that was that was pre-end of Cold War. So, yeah, maybe it's it's possible that they didn't release it internationally because you know of the political climate for the rest of it. Um,
0: yeah, I don't it's know. Possible. I don't know, but
3: because that was still makes what sense. The wall came down eighty nine so actually that so, so-
0: I, I'm seeing here that wikipedia for what you know whatever is saying that it actually grossed hundred and twenty five million worldwide oh. with a eighty million um eighty million on domestic so I don't know they and actually so hey there actually is some story to this so it was released in in theaters. Um, oh, where did I, I just lost it here? It says it was released in U.S. theaters on the 3rd of June, 1983. However, foreign distribution became the subject of debate, um, as both MGM and slash United Artists and EMI claim foreign distribution. So apparently, there were some issues. That Oh,
3: it. so it was a political thing, but it was a studio yeah. politics, yeah,
0: studio politics. So
3: See,
0: it always comes down to politics. It does. But, anyways, so uh, let's get into the movie. Let's talk a little bit about this movie. Um, obviously dated now, but uh, what do you think? Uh, you know, I'm watching this movie and I'm thinking of the rise in AI in our own culture right now. You know, how many, but 40 years almost later. And this, there's some eerie similarities.
3: I, you know, I was definitely thinking about that i was like wow there's definitely some you know similarities and you know how how are we going to use it in our military um you know and do we how much do we already have like algorithms and threat analysis and those sorts of things to make determination of say which place to bomb um you know, we we have those drones and ordering a drone strike, and are we going to remove some of the human element? Because the idea is, oh well, if we remove the human element, we will rem- we will remove mistakes or we'll remove questioning. Um, and I, I still remember, well, I was watching that at the beginning of the movie when they had the the nuke drill and the person. Was questioning like, am I really about to turn this key? Am I really about to, do you know, drop the nukes? Um, And that you know, I think he's like twenty or twenty-five percent of the people didn't do it. I'm like, well, that's because they questioned. They were like, um, this isn't okay. So that the very unquestioning, cold, calculating, um, algorithm with human lives. So, yeah, the
2: opening scene just. To lo- I was just so lost in that, just these two guys in, in that missile silo. And well, first I thought when they first they're going to work, I'm like, did I, did I rent the right movie? Cause these guys are driving. It's foggy outside. Did, did the bombs already drop? I wasn't sure what was going on at first. And then, uh, they report to work and, um, they relieve they relieve the the, the other shift and, uh, um, you know, just the, the tension between the one guy, he wants to pull the key, gets his orders. The other guy's like, let's, let's get confirmation. He says, no, we already got confirmation. We need to, you know, turn the key. And uh, um, so I was just like reminded, what, I mean, I, Scott and I grew up in here. You know, we were kids in the early 80s, so we were, you know, familiar with the whole Red Scare thing and, you know, what was going on with uh, the former Soviet Union. So that just reminded me of what it felt like back then. Yeah, the
0: biggest threat was nuclear war. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was just as I watched it, I thought I, I one one of the things that you know, one of the best lines, and I know we can talk about lines, there's so many directions we can go, but the one line in the movie where the one guy asks, Is this a game or is it real? And the computer says, What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> you know you know, uh-huh. and is that uh, we were we were jokingly talking about deep fake technology in prior episodes here and you know, the ability to distinguish between something that's real or not is is incredibly difficult. Like if you if you really if you really want to try to pull the wool over someone, you can do it and make it seem pretty legit.
3: Well, I mean, they talk about like misinformation and you know, people make jokes about how we used to watch the news and then decide what we thought about. It. Now they tell us what to think and we have to decide if it was actually news. Um which is a sad state of affairs, where we we have to constantly be like, okay, is this, you know? And then you're like going on the fact check, and you're trying to fact check the fact checkers, and you're just like, I don't even have time for this. I've got job, and I've got a show to watch, and I've got this other thing I need to watch. Like, I don't have the
0: time to fact It, it to is out. a little bit sad that we become a society that we no longer have the time to check facts. You know. It, just give it to me straight, and I'm just trust that what you're telling me is true.
2: And you can't do it
1: we have the time, we choose to not utilize it on that.
3: Well, because I it, have Ahsoka to watch.
1: Because, it, well, that's it. <laughs> We're, we, we are so comfortable, we, we are so entertained. There are so many distractions that are put out there. In in my op- opinion, for the simple fact to keep you distracted, so that when you see a headline, you read the headline. You might read the first paragraph of the article. You get the opinion. You get the propaganda. You get the message through it. And over time, it truly curtails your way of thinking. That you don't read to the end. You don't read the fine print at the end of the study. You don't. You don't read everything into it and cross-reference and look and go, is this really accurate or not? And you form your opinion and everybody else forms theirs and they're wrong because you're right because they don't see the same things you do and throw social media mix into it. And now no one actually talks to each other. And now you've got two divided, you've got a dividing line with two or more warring factions Meanwhile, those at the top are doing whatever they darn well please. I'm just distracted right by the nose. fact
0: that you're wearing blue, Dave, and Chrissy's wearing red. Just saying. <laughs> if we're talking politics here. Just I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> then I'm wearing the wrong color. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, you know, it, I, it, there is a lot of truth to that. But anyways, this this idea of – I think the movie does – bringing it back to the movie does, does make his – It was ahead of its time in some of the ideas that, you know, it's, you know, back when this movie came out, no one was worried about their bank accounts being hacked or, you know, someone, you know, losing their information on the internet. It
3: it was frighteningly easy for him to hack the school's computer. Like, I – it. I'm like, really? Was it really that easy to hack something back then? No. Not have ten oh, to twelve
1: well, characters and alpha numerics and have to have at least one number and two special symbols. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> so I was watching a review of this movie uh, before we we jumped to in. Uh, and um, Ronald Reagan saw the movie at Camp David shortly
0: oh, after the movie saw came that. out.
2: And he said, and he asked, he said, "How you know? Is this can, can this be done?" And, and so and some of his advisors said, "Yeah, we, we 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 do it to our enemies." So, uh, so I think he, he uh, pushed an initiative to advance our cybersecurity more uh, after seeing this. So movie. what I'm
3: hearing is the current state of my ridiculous passwords is Ronald Reagan's fault. That's
0: exactly what Miles is saying. So you heard so when here. I In have to change diner, my
3: password, don't
0: verify I, for the, the fact. 15th just time take what at Miles work. said and do it. It's it's true. What Miles said is <laughs> true.
3: Reagan's- I mean, <laughs>
2: I'm just relaying information. I didn't decide anything.
3: No, no, no. I'm, I'm the one who took it and interpreted it. That is where I'm the one who took it. it's like, aha, so what I'm hearing. Um, yeah, but hopefully everyone understands
2: my, my joking voice. Let's talk about the computer equipment uh, Matthew Broderick's character had in his room. I mean, and for he's the so time. so young
3: in the movie and so cute. He on pinch his cheeks. He, he was adorable,
2: yes. But. Uh, <laughs> Most kids didn't have this kind of a computer equipment. That was expensive. Yeah. So, so his parents must have been, you know, spo- you know, doing very well and spoiling him rotten. All, he also had a big ass stereo too uh, in his room. I was just looking at like, this kid's got a lot of stuff, but the c- computer equipment, I mean, uh, that stretched, uh, most, most kids in the eighties didn't have that. I mean, and the fact that he could, you know, he had his own phone in his room with his own phone line and that he could, um, he basically had the primitive form of the internet back then. He could um, dial into computers that he he was able to access. Uh, yeah, to. I was
3: watching that, going like, how common was this back then? And, and then no. he could just go in and, and change his grade, and like, you you wouldn't notice Scott if you like went into a computer system and saw someone's like so, like grade. I'm thinking
0: like in 1983, like so. You know, I grew up with computers. We had a Commodore 64 growing up, and I have a, I have some pretty strong memories of my of my younger brother's mid-80s dialing into bulletin boards and connecting and networking with other computers for that. Uh, but I, I really wonder, as a teacher, and I don't know the answer to this, and maybe someone who is listening does know the answer, email us at Gmail.com and let us know. But, you know, education in the in the in the early 80s when this movie came out how many schools were actually networked in a way where computers were actually connected to the internet like growing up like i remember like you know in elementary school in the TRS 80, you know, playing the Oregon trail, but it wasn't networked to anything. And I remember coding then when I got to high school and this is now late eighties where we were doing some simple coding. Um, but I don't remember really engaging with stuff online, except for my brothers. And we were like g- looking for games and for pictures of Kathy Ireland and, you know, all that sort of thing that you did back then. Um, and, uh, you know, the juvenile stuff that you got into, and and it took forever. Like, it wasn't as fast as his computer, you know. It, just, it, it took a while because of the way the system was. And I just don't know, but I wonder how many schools, like, really had that sort of thing. That seems to be a little bit more fiction. Certainly was around because the internet was being played around with way before that, but I just didn't see that in a public school system we're early adopters, but back then, I just didn't see us being early adopters of that stuff
1: yeah. and back to the other topic here, I'm looking it up online, and people have kind of estimated that his configuration and everything he had in there would have
3: cost somewhere around ten grand. Wow, I Fair was enough. just thinking of who Kathy Ireland was and what she looked like in the eighties because now I was curious. <laughs>
0: Did you find
1: well, out? You're in for a treat?
3: I, I am in for a treat. <laughs> yeah. You go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's
0: that? Like, yeah, Well, there you go. It's the saying Dave knew who I was talking about.
2: <laughs> those oh, those absolutely aisles,
0: did you know?
1: Uh, uh, of course.
3: <laughs> the a red-blooded man in America
1: that yes, he did know
3: who that was. <laughs> I wasn't born yet, so I didn't know. Right, right, <laughs> fair or enough. Yes. So I I was just like thinking about that, but I was like, I was like, how was it really that insecure that you could just accidentally hack into a computer like that? And then the computer that level of sophistication and and all those sorts of things. So, I mean,
2: He does steal a password at at the school. So it's, you know, he has to have something to get in. He couldn't just, go around the password he had to, he had to actually use a password to get in i
0: mean i remember well, when he, i first started teaching right mid 90s i'm teaching at slanco our computers were not password protected like we didn't worry about passwords and stuff back then it wasn't until like later in the 90s where you're like you after got ronald reagan <laughs> before, it, was after, it was definitely after ronald reagan many years but it's just it was just it's interesting that i think that Security, you know, it ramped up slowly. You know, stuff had to happen where public schools were really affected by this, that they really began to take this seriously.
3: Well, students were hacking in and changing their grades, and then teachers are going, I, is, I'm confused, I have is, Johnny got an A?
0: I think it feels a bit early, but
3: it, it does. It did feel like I was just wondering about that. Um, but you know i I definitely liked the the general themes of of the movie oh, yeah. where I'm
0: not complaining about you have movie. this this is nitpicking
3: yeah
2: and maybe the science fiction in this movie
3: i I really wish that I could remember what book it was where it where they had AI computers um and they gave over control of the nuclear bombs to the AI computers and basically control of most of human civilization, and then the a i computers decided to like nuke the world, and I forgot exactly why, but it was like and then they these kids were in this bunker, and then they had to like eat rabbits and horses, and I'm trying to remember what that book was. My sister would remember we got it at the little library um but yeah, as it was I was watching the movie, I kept being very much reminded of how many books from that era um, that I had read which talked about AI computers and nukes and the concern of handing over control to them um, of our weapons. And yet, I think that we are doing that in some ways.
1: Which has prolonged so many conflicts that Would not have lasted as long as they have. You've taken war out of the front line, man-to-man, just grueling horror and hell that it is, and you do it thousands of miles away by remote control.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, you have—well, my my boyfriend almost was a drone pilot for the Air Force, so he would have been one of those people sitting in a bunker, basically with, like, a control and a thing— and, you know, in, say, Nevada or Arizona, controlling something, you know, however many miles away and being told, okay, this target, you know, strike it or those sorts of things. Um, I know exactly how it all works. Someone will correct me. It's fine. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think about that. And so, like, it's so, you're so far removed that, like, is war just again? And going back to, is this real? Like, how real does it feel when you're that far removed from dropping a bomb on someone? Or, you know, fire, like, pulling the trigger and firing, especially since our video games are now becoming so realistic. Yeah, no and i mean it's it's pretty easy to do that once you really start dehumanizing the enemy to the point where you don't even see them as more than just, you know, blips on a screen.
2: Well, it's interesting you say that when he first gets the game and it's just like, well, what side do we, we'll play the russians, what do we want to bomb first? How about las vegas? You know, they don't think it's i mean, it's a game at that point and you know, there's no there's no consequence. There's no, and they're just having fun. They're being very, um, uh, just, um, indifferent to, even though it's not real, at least they don't think it's real. It's like, yeah, we'll just bomb Las Vegas.
3: Yeah. And it's, and it's done. they like laughing. And then they're like, oh, and then we're going to take out San Francisco and ha, ha, Seattle. And I'm they're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're, yes, they're hometown. Like they're, they're going to bomb themselves. Um, so that's how like little they think about it because oh it's thermonuclear war ha 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 that's funny, um, but you know war war isn't funny
0: except when you're playing Call of Duty. just sad.
3: Or horrible. or I'm killing hordlings yes. because they burned my train. Right.
0: I mean, so I mean it's as a kid you understand that, especially if there's like there's no there's no reason why they would even suspect that the computer would be playing him. Like he just he totally buys into that. This is this is, you know, virtually unheard of. So it's uh and you know what saves the day? His mom telling him to get off the internet. You know, <laughs> you know, it's just one yeah. of those it's just one of those things. And um
3: see. See, so you should always listen to your mother when she says to get off the internet. You never know when you've just prevented nuclear war. True.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Very
3: very true. Um yeah And also, it's interesting that, you know, the scientist just kind of, like, gave up on on humanity after his son died and didn't seem, and, like, at first didn't care. Like, oh, nuclear war, oh, well. We all kind of deserve to die anyways. Um, You know, which gets into, like, what what makes life worth living, what makes it um, okay for us not to nuke ourselves, which... I guess it goes over to the three body problem, which I just read. Um, where after she suffers at the hand of the communist party for so long that when, you know, an alien race reaches out to, you know, try and get humanity to give away its location, the one alien says, don't respond, don't respond. And she's like, we don't deserve to live. Sure, come on by. Um, you know, so there's also, that danger, too, of, of the human element um, mixed in with the AI, which is, what do you do when you have a human scientist who's so disillusioned with humanity that they don't actually care enough to put proper fail-safes in place should the AI agree with them that humanity should just you know, be wiped off the face of the Earth? Of course, spending much a lot of time on Reddit. will do that to you. Um, or
0: do that. We'll do it to you. We'll do, well, it. So do we want to talk about any of the particular acting that uh, stood so up? It's obviously – I mean, the movie – the the ideas in the movie are very, very relevant to today. So that's one of the things that holds. But definitely, this movie dates itself incredibly because tech- technology has moved so far beyond it. Um, at least in the I- way it looked at. But go ahead, Miles.
2: I love that the, the computer at NORAD that controlled this uh, uh, this, this this software was called Whopper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't, I, I, well, don't the just,
3: government still sucks at coming up with you know acronyms and nicknames. So that that's not dated at all. That was good.
0: <laughs> well, plus a Whopper right Burger will make you explode. That's for sure. <laughs>
3: see, see, on on target.
0: Okay. Um, <laughs> On target too yeah.
1: well, you, you talk about characters and stuff like that i mean it, it's very typical you have the uh the, the very stuck up arrogant tech guy in in Kittrick and his fancy new computer and my my favorite character then at odds with him through the whole movie my absolute favorite character um uh, general beinger who I absolutely love Barry corbin he, he's just Hilarious, and I love him and everything he's played. It's that crotchety old southern accented guy, just beautiful. Just as the very down, kind of more down to earth general, like constantly at odds with him, saying, No, 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 this this is stupid. You know,
2: I like what he says. Work. Uh, you know, he's on the phone with the president, and he looks at somebody, he goes, You're full of shit. Yeah, no, I yeah. used to President. that. Somebody else, uh, he, you know, he, was, <laughs> yeah. he, he was great. And I uh, like what he says to Debbie Colbin's character, Kittrick. He says, uh, uh, your weapon system really sucks. It really sucks. So the well, wire's I mean...
1: not responding to commands. Well, somebody just unplug the goddamn thing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that won't work. Uh, well, this is I... a booze who of um, 80s um, guest stars, TV stars,
3: it it was it was a very well acted movie. Like I, when I say I kind of regret not just buying it instead of just renting. Because normally for these like movie reviews, if I can't find it, you know, free somewhere, I like I just I'll just pay for the rental. It's fine. Um, usually not gonna ever watch it again. But for this one, I was like, you know, I actually really would have liked. I was like, I might actually buy it. Um, because I enjoyed it that much. Um, so. It, it was just a really well-done, well-acted movie. I liked the plot. I liked the message and how it's just even 40 years later, it's still relevant. And I think in another 40 years, it's still going to be relevant Um, as AI continues to be a presence in our culture. And, you know, we all pretend that the threat of nuclear war isn't there anymore, but it still is. I mean... We, I mean, Weird Al didn't write that song Please Don't Nuke Us North Korea for Nothing, Um, back in what year that was, which is a hilarious song, by the way, but, you know, there there was some serious concern that like, oh, North Korea is getting a little testy, and I mean, we're doing lots of saber rattling, but one day someone's gonna be crazy enough to push a button they shouldn't. It's not the guy with a hundred nukes
1: I worry about. It's the one crazy guy with a single one that's going to start it off.
3: Yeah, it it takes that. So, or the one arrogant idiot who thinks that they should just, you know, hand over control to a computer and then, oops, it gets hacked or, oops, you know, a program gets started that they can't turn off. I no, can't just it's unplug knowledge. the goddamn thing because it's up on the cloud and on the internet.
1: AI has an Ultron moment and realizes we're too yeah. dangerous to lay off, be left alive. Yeah. Uh, is Scary stuff.
0: To that. Yeah, kind of hint to that. Um.
3: Yeah, um...
0: I, I do love the uh,
1: the classroom scene in the beginning there. Yeah. Who first Even came up with the drives, idea? Stuff. Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> Thank <Later. your>
1: <laughs> reproduction without sex. Uh, your wife, <laughs> get out, Lightman. <laughs> yeah, that
0: was, was it, is it true that that was ad libbed? That I one, it, I don't know if that one was or not. Uh, it was something that they, I think the direct that was not. At least it wasn't in the script. Is my guess. So I guess that defines ad lib that they, they left it in then because it was so funny. Well, but
1: well, I know they got the uh, <laughs> some Miles put the the the. the Quote from the news report in there saying there was an explosion at a prophylactic recycling plant. Well, that was ad libbed, and uh, they kept it in because it was pretty funny. Yeah.
2: I I heard that I like. Did they really wait? Prophylactic <laughs> yeah. recycling. Wait, what? And uh, no, they yeah they, they said that it was just like um, yeah I think it probably went over a lot of people's heads. But um, buy
1: your used condoms, folks. This <laughs> <It> just doesn't <laughs> work. <to try> and- <laughs>
2: But I think we talk about some of the funny stuff is because originally the movie was a lot more serious than they, they 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 said, we got to put some funny in this movie, folks. Um, so they even gave Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy to look, ad lib some stuff to try to lighten it up, make it a little funny or something like that. Just, uh, you know, it's it's just so serious that, um, you know, we're going to lose the audience if, if if we don't put a little funny in there. I mean, they are teenagers
1: after all. I mean,
0: right. mm-hmm.
1: You do have to kind of
2: give a little. I mean, Matthew Broderick is very interesting. He plays a very interesting young man who is very computer savvy and smart, and um, can, you know, not your average teenager. But uh, still, they had to. It was they had they had to uh, inject some humor where they were in some places. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: i was just rereading yeah. through some of the lines here that 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 whole quote where he says is this a gamers is this real and the computer says doesn't matter like right prior to that they have the dialogue where you're saying can you give me like an an estimate would you like to see some projected kill ratios and it's like 69 percent of the housing destroyed and 72 million people dead like it said kind of flippantly like when Numbers get that big, you lose all context to like what that really means, you know. Well, you know, yeah,
3: yeah, it's like the um, you know, 300 dead is a tragedy, but 3 million is a
0: statistic, or whatever that yeah, well, exactly quote like is. It, it becomes um, it's like when you hear someone like is, is a billionaire, like it just fathoming like what that means is like, yeah, and it's, it's, pretty, and it's so pretty- hard
3: to visualize like what the difference between like a millionaire and a billionaire is because you start adding all of these numbers and like your human brain just is not capable of really fathoming what that means. You know, when you look at, Oh, well, this is the distance between earth and the moon versus, you know, the sun and Pluto. And it's just so that the distances are just so astronomical you're you can't like you know it's a lot. You're like, okay, that's a lot, and that's a lot, a lot. But the actual like ratios, um, there are some really cool videos on YouTube that like kind of show you the difference. And that's when you go, Oh, oh wow, that is much more than I thought. Um, so I definitely recommend going and like YouTubing difference between a and like a million and a billion because it really I think it was like, there's almost like a million rice versus a billion grams of rice. Um, one that really, like, kind of drives at home. The difference. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like, it just becomes so abstract that it's like, yeah, bomb Los Angeles, who cares, you know? It's like, six, you know, 69% of the human race died, I'm like, whatever. Right. Um.
0: Yeah, So. Yeah, it's so what else what really else? Like- i mean oh. this is a very 80s mo- movie as far as the music and the feel of it um you of course have the the love interest was doing the research in the movie this is a uh, something that was developed as the chemistry between the actors grew like uh, his girlfriend had a much smaller role in the initial script and so that grew as a part of it um I don't know. Are there, I, mean, goes, I don't want to be a dead horse, you know, but if there's there other well, things we talk about.
3: Well, I was just going to say, you know, the fact that you, you had actors ad-libbing and the fact that you had, you know, chemistry between them kind of demonstrates why we don't want our movies, going back to a previous conversation, we don't want our movies to just be AI produced, you know, have an actor or actress come in say some lines, move around, and then you just let a computer run a thing and there you have it. There's your movie. Because you don't, you won't get that chemistry. You won't have this organic piece that comes in and it's like, oh, hey, you guys have some great chemistry. Let's change some things. Let's let this roll. And then you have, it's a creative process between the script, the actors, the director, all the people coming together to create a whole movie. I mean, that's one of the reasons why Lord of the Rings was such an amazing, amazing movie is because the actors came in and I mean, they there was a chemistry there. They actually became those characters for one another in the course of filming three movies. And in the course of filming this movie, there was that. And, you know, oh, we gotta make this funnier. I'm um, here ad-lib some, you know, comedy. That, or ar- is that really going to happen if we just plug it into a computer and say, go, and maybe only have like one or two people come in and add their touch to it? As opposed to this really collaborative process between, you know, 10, 20 people.
2: Good point. Yeah. 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 I, I, I can't see having the ability to ad lib and improv. Um it's just they're gonna they're gonna follow a script and follow direction, whatever.
3: Well, and even if it does, it's probably it's gonna just recycle what you've already put into it. You know, it's it's good at being collage of something, but not necessarily it, it lacks that spark of real ingenuity, like inspiration. It loses the humanity. Yeah, it, it, it does. Um, which is why I think it I think it can be a great, great tool to start to maybe like if you are having difficulty maybe visualizing something for an autistic composition and you put in, you know, some prompts and then like it shows you something, you go, Oh, you know what? I really should put like this house in the background in my painting or i really should maybe angle the face this way because it does it does add a sense of drama that i was looking for and just couldn't quite maybe piece it together um which is what i i do know some artists will use it for is for that you know as a study or an inspiration piece but not the final product it just shouldn't be Just like we shouldn't have it be the final product of deciding whether or not to drop bombs. So whether it is, you know, a painting or war, we shouldn't
2: lose the human element. Yeah, that's what the when the when the first part of the movie is just watching those two guys in the bunker and the one guy's ready. He's like, "Turn your key," and the other guy's like, "Wait, let's make sure that we we." we've been given clear direction on us. I mean, before we condemned 13 million people to die. And I I don't know that, 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 that spoke to me, that tension, these guys were, were facing and have a computer just, uh, you know, I I want, I want, I want, when it comes to like decisions in in battle and something like that, a little more, a little more conversation. I mean,
3: yeah, you know, I and, and Scott, I'm, I'm sure it feels the same way. You know, when you have a pretty big decision that just affects one of your students, and for me, it's one of my one of my clients or one of the people staying at the shelter, and I have to make the decision of, you know, does this per- person continue in my program? Does this person continue to be able to stay there? Right. I don't make the decision in isolation. I go and talk with another administrator. I go and I talk with another person, and have a collaborative process before making that major decision and that's just affecting one person on a very micro scale but it's a huge impact on that individual's one life and so yeah i would certainly hope that if somebody sends someone in some silo hey we're going to drop the bomb that they would pick up the phone and say um i would like confirmation other than just some computer Saying I need to do this.
0: To to be fair, though, if if the people working there are trained military, when your commander says something, you do it. You don't. You don't. You don't. You don't question that, right? And you don't want that either in a war situation. If if if, if we're but talking the commander,
3: here. it was just a thing that dropped. There was no human. There was no human element to say. It wasn't a phone call to them that said, "Hey, drop it." It was oh, we got this code, yes, confirm, confirm, pull the thing, pull, and the guy's like, I,
0: uh, and I, I don't, guess I don't think this is that's right.
3: True,
1: but. Which came from their command, and it's done in that way so that it can be verified with the certain codes that they that they had on there, because a human vo- even then, at a human voice over the phone ordering you to do it without some kind of extra confirmation could have been done in duress, it could have been...
3: Some other crazy thing.
1: The amount of steps they would have to go through for it to get to them.
3: I know. It just feels like...
1: It has to come from the president.
3: But, yeah, I know. But at the same time, like, shouldn't there just be two things? Like, we get the human element and then it's confirmed by the computer? You get the computer and it's confirmed by the human element? I don't know.
1: The the problem is that was only, that was one site out of how many hundred across the country. That's a lot of phone calls.
3: Ah. But now, yeah. now we could do it. Well, There's now, enough.
1: Yeah. but N- Now now's a bit different.
3: Yeah, but I liked, I really it did speak to me. It's not that he didn't do it, but he just, he was like, I would like to try and confirm this before I do it. Like, he was in the process of doing it, and the countdown was going while he was making the phone call. So I really liked that um, part where, yeah, yeah, he's still following orders, but he's still going, I I I don't want to be able to sleep tonight. So I'm going to try to call this person. Exactly. Um, and I completely understand being in a situation where you don't have time to confirm, uh, to confer with someone. Cause I've, I've been in those situations where I didn't have time to confer with someone prior to having to make decision of, you know, if I let this person stay, they are a potential safety threat to the other people that are here. While at the same time, knowing that asking them to go is a potential safety threat to that individual. Um, so I have been in those situations where I've had to make that call, um, and it's not a fun position to be in because you want because your instinct is to confer with someone, but at the same time, you at in a certain moment you have to be like, okay, this person really is not acting in a safe manner, and I really do need to ask them to go. Um, and if not, I need to call the police and have them removed, and I really don't want to do that either. So, like, I can understand. The one I need to confer but I can also understand being in situations where you don't have that option opportunity um and yeah. that really sucks to not yeah. be in that position
1: yeah very good on
3: that
2: topic if, any, if you know, anybody's
1: really gonna, uh go ahead Miles. I
2: was gonna say uh, uh Chrissy brought this up the, the the scientist who who built this system with uh um Dabney Coleman's character um where he was. You know, these kid, they're kids, they're kids, they're children. They are pleading with him to help help them stop what they think is, uh, you know, um, Armageddon. And he's like, you know, well, let's talk about, you know, world history. You know, the dinosaurs, they had their time. They came and went humans, you know, you know, we, we've had we've had our time it you know and, and where we are you know when the when when the when nuclear explosions go off, we'll be we'll be gone in seconds. We won't even know it happened. I feel sorry for the people that you know have to survive well, he he didn't say survive yeah, I mean I got he's like they got to suffer through this, but he's saying, look um uh another you know another species will will rise up, probably the bees. And be the you know become the new dominant species of Earth, but you know just clearly just, it will be the cats. Yes, it'll be the cats. So who the bees? He was being totally silly about that one. But uh, I
3: know clearly it will be the cats. We all know this.
2: I mean, the the, the cats are, are are the next uh, dominant species in evolution. But uh,
3: I mean, they're already the dominant species. We just have to acknowledge that.
2: We 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 do not own our cats. We don't rescue our cats. Our cats own us. Own us. Yes. they rescue yes. us. Yes. Um uh, but, but- uh, I just thought he was really in a really dark place and he and these kids are pleading with him to help save the world and he's like, you know, let just let nature take its course and they they get through to him. It takes a little while, but I mean it's just it was just interesting that where this guy was, he's hiding out on this island and uh like, Oh, I guess they're gonna blow the you know, blow the world up after all. well
3: yeah and i mean he does he does have a point when when i get into things about you know climate and and world things i'm like you know I'm, i'm most concerned about like yeah the world will take care of itself nature will take care of itself i mean we've had um you know the dinosaurs mass extinction we also had an extinction um where the methane gases in siberia like released over you know. I think it was like a hundred thousand years or whatever, and like wiped out like ninety percent of life on earth um in the great dying I think is what it's called um and nature bounced back, but what was there, the species that were there did not bounce back. you know other species rose up afterwards um and the dinosaurs were around for a very, very long time um you know, that we, we depict Stegosaurus and Tyrannosaurus together. But truthfully, I think, uh, was it, is it the T Rex is closer to a motorcycle than a T Rex is closer to a Stegosaurus? I think that's what it is. Um, so their, their time period was huge and we are just a tiny little blip on mm-hmm. the grand, the grand yeah. scheme of things. So hopefully we won't. Nuke ourselves into oblivion after you know that tiny little blip, and we'll be able to last as long as the dinosaurs last. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. so if anyone's we'll ever see. Curious
1: about it? If anyone's ever curious? I found years ago, um, this site, this website. Uh, you can google it nuke map by Alex Wellerstein, and Dear. you can pick like there's a list of all like the known sizes and types of nuclear missiles out there, like nuclear the bombs. And you can fake detonate one at a location on a map and you can see oh, where geez. its blast radius is, the fallout will go. Oh my gosh. It's 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 scary, but it's, it's very interesting because you can see how even the biggest one that really is in China has it right now. It's a five megaton ICBM, the size what? of the blast, and how when you zoom out and actually look at the country as a whole, how small that radius actually is. Wow! But and how much damage they can actually do. I mean, if you detonated one of them in Lancaster, where we're at, the the fallout with a you know northeastern wind at I don't know what what are we saying here. 24 kilometers an hour, the fallout will reach all the way up to New Hampshire. So I mean, that's a—it's quite the—it's uh, quite the little interactive tool you can play with. It's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's neat. It's educational, and you, you learn a lot just by messing with this and actually reading the results in the different areas and zones as you go away from it. I was right. bored one day and just looking around at stuff <laughs> years ago.
3: Fantastic. Wow yeah bring Very us back full circle. Let's nuke Los Angeles um All right. yeah See what happens yeah, let's not yeah. Do that
0: um All right well so let's uh let's do a real quick rating of the movie before we wrap it up uh because we've uh, been going fairly long here. Um, oh, so oh. let's do it out of five stars looking back at this movie think taking everything in as one thing um Dave, let's start with you out of five stars where do you rate this movie?
1: I'm giving it a four. This was one of my favorites growing up, and I still enjoy it. The The, the topics and the just the, the, the tone of the movie, I think, still holds up today. So I, I'm giving it a four, personally.
2: I enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, okay. Very good. Miles, how about you?
2: I'll give it a 4.5. I think it's a very solid movie, and I, I think... The ideas explored in this movie. We, we we are still exploring now. We're still wrestling with this, and um, it's a fun '80s romp too. It's a fun. It's a. It, there's a lot of good fun nostalgia. Not a lot of music in this movie. We're talking music, and uh, there's no there's no music that stands out. But um, you know, they, they go. He's an arcade. You know, he's high you know, high school in the '80s, and just that world that you and I, Scott, would, 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 would be familiar with. Uh, I thought that that was, that was a fun revisit there. Um I did not see this movie in the theaters, but the, the cable, uh, mo- you know, I don't know what you want to call it. The HBOs, the, the, they would like do a free weekend or whatever. So I would, I remember that uh, HBO was playing this movie several times and, I watched it a few times when it when I came out. That's that was my first uh, foray into this movie. I, I wonder what happened after the movie, like after this kid. Okay, they, they managed to stop the computer from you know destroying everything, and I'm like, I'm thinking this kid was probably conscripted by the government. It's like, okay, you are a very smart, resourceful young man, but you're too dangerous to be left on your own. We're not going to. Um, put you in jail, but you're going to be working for us for the rest of your life. Yeah. That's what that's what I think happened to him. Yeah,
0: Chrissy, how about you? How would you rank this movie?
3: You know, I, I think I'm going to surprise everyone by giving it five stars. Um, oh. And the reason the reason why is this is a 40 year old movie, and I think that it has stood the test of time as i said earlier i think it's still going to have relevant things to say um 40 years down the line and i think that 40 years down the line it's still going to be an enjoyable movie it's going to be it's still going to have poignant things to say and echo through and that in my mind makes it you know a really really good movie and so you know if i give five stars to something, it's because I believe it falls within the top two percent of of movies. And, you know, I—I a hundred percent, you know, anymore I don't really buy movies unless I really, really like them and think that they are um, you know, something more than just entertainment. And I really feel that this falls under something that's more than just entertainment. Um so yeah, five stars. Nice.
0: And I think for me maybe a 4.5. And I think, you know, I'm a little bit judgmental when it comes to the dating of the movie. And so, uh, but I think that the message it has for us and uh, is one of the reasons I rate it really high. I think that it's a very relevant movie. Many times you look at like 80s or movies or 70s movies, and you're like, well, it was a, you know, it was a good romp, a good story, but but this is like one of the first ones we that we watched they said this is this is very the message here is clear for us as a modern society. And, you
3: know and and I think that the only thing that really dates it though is the technology at exactly. the time. Yeah, exactly. Um so that I think that's why I didn't count that against it cuz I'm like well it doesn't really matter like when that movie would be made like you could like redo it and make a movie today um that I think you know again, in forty years would date itself because you know the clothes the th- like at yeah. a certain point you can't make a future film um right. in the future, but yeah that's that's why like I was like, you know what it's no, I just I really don't have any complaints about it,
0: yeah. Very good. Which is
3: actually a very German compliment of, of me to say. I have no complaints. Yeah,
0: there you go. There you go.
3: <laughs>
1: very All right. German no, I forgot they made a video game of this.
0: They did make a video game.
1: I had it oh. on my Commodore 64 back in the day.
0: You just need to right get here. an emulator and play it again. Exactly. Yes. Right. Um. Yeah. And next time in the Sci Fi Diner, we're reviewing the video game war games. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, if I could find it ported, I would love that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, uh, it's been great chatting with you guys tonight, and uh, I guess we'll be back in about two weeks. Senior. And um, and uh, we'll do a regular show and release an interview, but it's been great chatting about war games and the many different facets of it.
3: Yes.
2: Absolutely. Um,
0: all right. So, uh, Miles, why don't you take us out of the show?
2: All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We'll
0: see you.
2: Leave your tips on the table.
1: And go boldly
2: to all our social pages. And
1: Sci-Fi Diner Podcast on YouTube. And don't forget to send your feedback to Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com.
0: Let us know what you thought of the movie as well.